Well, today is Father's Day, and um, you know, I, I think I've mentioned it before that um, on Mother's Day, you wouldn't think of getting uh, mother's sweepers, uh, but you know, that would be an insult. But for a man, getting him tools is a good thing. So um, we got some, we have some tools here and a couple of tool bags and, um, and some lights. I really like these lights, you know, they're, you see, you see them? I, I got them primarily for the kids because they like flashlights, but I, I, I think they're pretty neat. They're, you wear them on your head, you know, and like, the, I think they're pretty neat. Little red things. Um, all the ones that don't go, I keep. You know. <laughs> now we have a number of uh, dads who aren't here today, so we'll leave all these out and next, next week, um, um, remember to, Joe, remember to, uh, give them out, and for the fathers to take them. But today, Father's Day, last week uh, we spoke about Genesis and how that man searched for God. And I was wondering, in, in following along that context, is what does God look like, or what is God like? Not look like, but what is he like? What is his character like? How will you know what he is when you find him? You know, what are the characteristics of God that that would um, speak to us that we have found something, found the God of the scriptures. And being Father's Day, we'd say, well, are we like God? Well, in some ways, we are to be reflective of his character, reflective of what God is. We are reflections of that. So in Luke chapter 15, there are stories that Jesus tells that depicts the attitude, the character of God our Father. And sometimes it's easy to say, uh, it's easy to state something and yet not know what is behind it. And this is the characteristic of what Jesus is presenting here in Luke chapter 15. He, he starts out by the Pharisees and the, 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 um, the Pharisees and people that are surrounding Jesus have this question about what, what is God like? They're doubting Jesus because he's spending time with sinners and with people who are not considered religious. And <clears throat> Jesus begins to explain what it is that the character of God is like, and the Pharisees are trying, they've already got their concept of God, but it's not correct. And so Jesus now gives us these stories that he is trying to adjust the character of, uh, uh, understand, boy, he's trying to adjust the understanding of the Pharisees so that they can understand the character of God. So let's start with Luke chapter 15, and I'll read verses 1, 2, and 3. Rhonda, do you want to open the windows? <coughs> Excuse me. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religious scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treats them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered, their grumbling triggered this story. So here we have Pharisees and religious scholars we're not pleased, not at all pleased with Jesus. Like he had come to somehow please them. And these individuals thought that they had figured out exactly what God wanted and exactly how 
uh, God was, uh, what God expected of people who followed him. They thought that God, they knew exactly what God wanted out of people and what he wanted people to do. And they knew that doing the right thing was all that God required, and they knew that God loved people who were exactly like them. And so they knew they were loved by God. And everybody else who was not like them was not loved. That's why they're grumbling and complaining. That Jesus is not associating and sitting down with the religious people. He's sitting down with these sinners. Well, the sinners and the people who were considered the outcasts had the same understanding about God as the Pharisees did. So here are these people of doubtful reputation thinking that they are never good enough, never would be good enough to be associated with God. And here are the religious people who consider themselves very worthy to be associated with God and that these other people never would be associated with God. So everybody has the same opinion that these sinners and these people of doubtful reputation were lost and that God would have nothing to do with them. So Jesus now tells these stories that will help correct their faulty thinking. So, um, so what is God like for us? What are the preconceived or ideas that we have about God that seemingly we hold as the truths? And does the Bible challenge those truths? Does the Holy Spirit challenge those truths in our life enough so that we will change? So that we will change our opinion of God and change our opinion of what we should be in the sight of God. The first story that Jesus talks about is the lost sheep. See, where am I at here? Three, four, five, six, seven. It goes in order, doesn't it? Bible verses? Okay, just wanted to make sure. Because sometimes my verses don't measure up with the way that Bible verses go in the book. So, verse 4, 5, 6, and 7. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Now, again, who is he relating to? He's relating to the Pharisees and the religious leaders. He's trying to get them to understand they are not the only people that God is after. And he's with the people who are sinners and of a doubtful reputation. He's trying to get them to understand that God is not like the Pharisees. So, here are... Um, a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and he loses one. Would you leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? Presenting the question. You as an individual, you Pharisees, you people who are lost, you are the owners of a hundred sheep. Okay, trying to make them under, get the concept here. You are the owners of a hundred sheep, one is lost. Would you go out and search for it until you found it? That's the question. When found, you can be sure that you would put it across your shoulders rejoicing. And when you got home, you would call your friends and neighbors saying, Celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven 
over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. This is a real challenge to their thinking. This is a real challenge to their understanding of God. Because there are 99 sheep, and these 99 are not abandoned. These 99 are safe. They are kept, you know, they're in a safe place. So the shepherd isn't just abandoning recklessly 99 and going out and searching for one. Now, the unsaid question is, what value is the one sheep? What value is there in one sheep? That's the question. Pharisees and religious scholars are ready to throw out the sinners. They're ready to tell Jesus that the sinners and those of lower reputation, they're they're saying, throw them out. But would they, as owners, go out and look for one lost sheep? So what is the value of one sheep? A person who is lost, you see, a shepherd at that time, a shepherd at that time, a good shepherd, the Bible says that a shepherd would lay down his life for his sheep. So if a shepherd is out in the wilderness watching over his sheep, he will, ta- he will, he will lose his life protecting his sheep because he will not allow anyone to steal or no wild animal to take his sheep. So the shepherd, worthy of the name shepherd, would not allow anything to happen to the sheep entrusted to him. Because that's his reputation, that's the, um, the critical, and um, what's I saying? Being dependent as a shepherd, he would not allow anything to happen to his sheep. So the understanding is a person who is a shepherd would go out and look for the one lost. So would the Pharisees and Sadducees, would they consider these individuals whom Jesus is with as worthy individuals to whom God would touch? So when a person is lost, they are away from God. They have gone astray. They've lost, uh, they're lost to God. They've lost the flock. They have lost, even lost to themselves as to what their intent is and what their purpose is. He knows not this person who is lost, doesn't know where he is. He's wandering and exposed to all of the things that are going on in the, in the um, wilderness around him. So would you go after the lost until you found it? This is the picture of that Jesus is presenting. These stories are stories that Jesus is telling us about God the Father. What is the characteristic of God the Father? So, Pharisees have a totally incorrect picture. The sinners have a completely incorrect picture because they have almost the same picture as the teachers. And Jesus is here saying, well, God is like this. He is like a shepherd who has lost a sheep, and he takes the 90 and 9, and they are safe, and he goes out and he searches until he finds it. Then what happens? There's a celebration. Celebrate with me. The celebration for this lost sheep far exceeds the value of the lost sheep. 
because there is this, there is this interest, intrinsic value that this sheep has, that the shepherd has kept um, his duty and held up to the standard of a shepherd when he went out and found the sheep. God has kept to the standard that is, the scripture says that he is willing, that, that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God is the one who seeks after people who are lost. Second story, verse 8 through 10. Or imagine a woman who has 10 coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and scour the house, looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, you can be sure she'll call her friends and neighbors, celebrate with me, I found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul returns to God. Here we have another story that is very familiar. Shepherds in that time period, they're very familiar with shepherding and, what, and sheep. And, in this, and also this story is a very familiar one. Palestinian women would often receive 10 silver coins as a wedding gift. And I think sometimes they would wear them around. You know, we often see those individuals in the stories and so on, that they have those coins uh, dangling around their head. That was part of their headdress, and the 10 silver coins would be part of their wedding gift. So they would have these gifts around them, and the value is basically sentimental because the value of the, central, of the coin is less than, a half, less than the value of a half a penny. So the value in this coin is not that it is a silver coin and worth thousands of dollars. It is a silver coin that represents their wedding, a marriage, and is, has very much uh, value only to the individual, not in something that she can spend. I remember whenever, uh, talking about Jackson being three years old, um, Rhonda had lost the diamond out of her wedding ring. And... Uh, she was searching all over the place for it. She thought she lost it outside. And, uh, she, and you know, we were looking everywhere for this diamond, you know, in the dirt outside our, of the parsonage over here. I said, let's go buy another one. You know, I mean, you know, it's just a diamond. You go buy one, it's a diamond, it's a diamond. You go buy another one. Some reason she wouldn't go for that. <laughs> she wanted to find the diamond. So at that time, there was a, a, a jeweler that we knew, uh, Jay Croyle. And uh, he says, well, at night, get a very bright flashlight and go searching where you, think you, where you think it might be. And so we're going through what happened and where she was at. And she remembered carrying David Michael back to his bedroom and her hand hitting the wall. So, you know, the door frame of the wall. Um, so on the door frame as she was going in. So we looked around up in the bedroom. We couldn't find it. So that night, got out the flashlight and got down on the rug and started going across the rug. Boom, there it was. Still have it. Notice that Jesus uses the story of a woman with ten coins. Because a man would say, get another one. <laughs> So what is he using here? He's using the story to tell us about an individual who values something not because of its net worth, but because of its value to the person. 
Okay? Did you ever lose a ring, ladies? Did you ever lose a ring that was something of intrinsic value? <laughs> Did you lose, anybody you lose something? You lose something? You ever lose something that has that type of value to you? That you kept looking for it until you found it. Because it wasn't that it couldn't be replaced, as in buying another one. It had a value because of what it represented. And so the value of the lost coin is seen by how much the person seeks, and yet the value is half a penny. What's the, what's the problem? Just replace it. No, it's what I received whenever I was married, the ten coins. And the lady scours the house looking for it. So the value is seen also in the celebration over the coin. The celebration takes place in that I have found these, these, this coin that was so valuable to me because of what happened and what happened you know, when I was married and these are the coins that I received and there it is. Hmm. God our Father sees great value in one who is lost. Now, Pharisees, Religious scholars are belittling Jesus because he's spending time with sinners and those of poor reputation. They both, both sets of individuals have a wrong concept of what God the Father is like. Jesus tells these stories to help them understand that as a shepherd would look for one sheep, so God looks for the lost. As a woman would have a value about these coins and would search the house, scour the house, light lamps, look everywhere to find it, so too God would look for those who are lost. See, it completely goes against what the, the Pharisees believed and taught and what these sinners and people of low reputation thought. Jesus is talking to them about it. Then verse, in chapter 15, verses 11 and 12, so we have the question presented to us in our analogy here, being Father's Day. So what is God our Father like? Seeker of one lost sheep, Seeker of one lost coin. Seeker of a rebellious son. A son who would have nothing but his own way. So that's what we see next. Verse 11. Then he said, There was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. All right? In that custom in that day was the firstborn son, the eldest son, received two-thirds of the father's inheritance. You know, whatever the father was going to pass on to his children, the eldest son received two-thirds. The second son, in this case the younger son, would receive one-third of his father's goods and father's inheritance. And so the younger son requests that he get the one-third and he get it now. So the father divided, verse 12, so the father divided the property between them. 
It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and, dis- and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through the country, and it began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen where, who, where there who assigned him to his field to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs and the pig slop, but no one would give him any. <laughs> so this request by this young man showed a total disregard for his father, showed a total, total disregard for the customs of his time, waiting, you don't get your inheritance till your father dies. So here he wants his inheritance as if his father's dead, like he wants nothing to do with his father, he wants nothing to do with his brother, he wants nothing to do with it, and so he is, wants it, and he's going after it, and he's going to go spend it the way he wants to. The father gives, he says, all right, you have a free will, it's your choice, here's your inheritance. So he goes to his far-off country and he blows his inheritance. And after it's gone, now for a Jew, Jewish individual at that time, for them to even touch a pig or be in the presence of a pig was un- unpermissible, was a sin. So here is this individual who has come from a place of wealth and uh, who has been served by servants, he finds himself in total humiliation. He's not only in, in, in the area of pigs, he is feeding the pigs, and he would like to eat what the pigs are eating, but no one will let him. Let him. <laughs> you know, the pigs are of more value than this slave who is feeding them. So he isn't allowed to eat with them. So he has fallen a long way. Challenge here, what has to happen in our life that causes us to see God in a different light? What happens in our life to see God in a different light than we have in the past? That's a challenge. Challenge. Verse 17 that brought him to his senses. He lost everything. He's starving to death, and he can't even eat what the pigs eat. See, that's at the bottom of the barrel, scraping the bottom of the barrel, and being, having to look up. It brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. Hmm. There are a lot of people who have no time for God. Now, who's he talking to? Pharisees, who consider themselves exactly what God wants in an individual. And there are sinners and people of low reputation who are the opposite of what God would want in an individual. And neither one of them are correct. And Jesus is trying to teach them and help them see things, see God in a different perspective. So, notice how the logic changes 
verse 17, that brought him to his senses. What brought him to his senses? Starvation, hunger, pain. Can't even eat with the pigs. The pigs are healthier than he is. He can't even eat their food. He's not allowed. He's a slave. He eats their food, they'll kill him. <laughs> because the pigs have more value than the slave. Hmm, I'll go back to my father. He takes care of his slaves. They get three meals a day. I'm starving. So if I ask ourselves this question, are our eyes open? Are our eyes open? Do we see God correctly? Well, we really don't know because if we ask this individual whenever he had everything with his father, can you see clearly? He says, yeah, I can see clearly. I, I get one-third of my father's possessions. I have the right to it, and I'm taking it, and I'm leaving home, and my brother can have the rest. He can have the father. He can have the rest of the farm and the goods. I'm out of here. If you ask that individual at that time of his life, are his eyes open, he would say yes. You ask him at the pig trough when he's starving to death, are your eyes open, he would say yes. <laughs> My father's servants eat better than I do. He had a total change of heart about his father and what he considered of no value. So we go on. Verse um, 20 and 21. So he changed his heart. When he was still a long way off, he goes back to his dad now, and this is a picture of God. Remember, Jesus is giving us a different picture. He's giving the Pharisees and the sinners a different picture of God. A lost sheep, the shepherd goes out and looks. A lost coin has the value, the intrinsic value, to the individual, God goes and looks. So now, God is watching for his son to return. And when he saw him a long way off, his heart pounding, he ran out and embraced him and kissed him. The son started his speech, Father, I've sinned. But God, you know, here it is that God is looking here for the son returning. So all the time, Father is in the house. He's not chasing down his child. He's not chasing after his son. He allows his son to go. I liken this story sometimes to us as Christians being a lighthouse. We are a lighthouse, and a lighthouse sends out the same signal so that no matter how far out to sea people go, they know what direction home is. They know what direction land is. And so we send out the same signal. The trouble with the Pharisees and the sinners in this story, they had the wrong concept of God. They didn't know which way was home. They didn't know which way really represented God. And as Christians, we are responsible to live the Christian life according to the standard that Christ has given us in his word. And so we send out the same signal. We send out the same signal that people will know the way home. They will know the way back to God. And so while this father, the, the, the son comes to his senses, he says, I know what's home. 
I know where my father is. I know what, how good it is there. This is the life we live as a Christian, sending the same signal. The father was watching for his son to come home. And when he saw his son way down the road, he didn't wait for his son to get there. He ran after him. God sees the value in each of our lives. He pursues us. And as soon as we turn in the direction of God, we find God is there to to welcome us and to to touch our lives and and to embrace us. And what does he do? He, uh, the, the son has a speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. That's repentance. But God knows the heart, just the, the father knows the heart of the son even before he states these words. He knows the heart of his son. Why? Because his son is on his way back home. There's no conditions here. There's no conditions like, you know, I'll come back home if you... If you uh, have a party, and you reinstate me as officially as your son. No. He has been so far away, he recognizes that the lowest slave in his father's house is better off than he was in the pig pens in a foreign foreign land. He wasn't coming back with any standards saying what he had to have. He was coming back as a slave, as a person who had lost everything, looking for his father's forgiveness. His father wasn't listening. He was calling to his servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. You ever been in a pig pen? (laughs) Now, today's pig farms are not like the pig farms back then. Today's pig farms are all made out of concrete and, you know, the pigs are in on the concrete and they've got these grates in the back where they, where they go to the bathroom. You know, pigs are a very clean animal. That they have grates that over top of water, and the pigs will go to the bathroom over top the grates down in the water and not out on the concrete where they eat and have their other, you know, and they lay down. They hardly have, when it comes to cleaning pig pens now, it's very simple. But in those days, in the times when pigs are exposed to the sun and to mud and so on, they would roll in the mud and they stink. The, far, the farms still stink. But uh, the, if you've never been in a, a person, you ever, you ever hug somebody who just come out of a barn? Yeah, especially if they're pitching manure. You know, my mom never hugged me when I came out of the barn from pitching manure. She'd always say, go change your clothes outside and change your clothes. You have to go around back and take your clothes off and run through the basement and get a shower in the basement. They throw clothes down to you. Don't bring those clothes in the house. Get clean clothes for him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. He didn't have any shoes. Get the fatted calf. Go roast. We're going to have a feast. What a wonderful time. My son is here. He was given up for dead, but now he's alive. Give up for the lost. He was given up for lost, and he is now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. (laughs) You see, 
This is an important story for us, but it's an important story for the people. Pharisees, they thought God wanted people dressed up like them, doing certain things. The sinners, they knew they were no good. They had broken all the laws and broken everything, and there was no way they were ever going to be good enough. But here is Jesus telling them, this is what God my Father is like. And the, third, and the last story here, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that one, but it's the older brother. And the older brother is like, what's going on? They're having a big party. I didn't know anything about it. And the servants say to him, your brother who was lost is now found, and we're having a party. Come join us. I'm not going. He doesn't deserve it. The older brother represented the Pharisees. They were the individuals who had done all the things right, and Jesus is not accepting them for who they are because this older brother has become very bitter. He stayed, but he still was lost. Hmm. Sometimes life gets us bitter. We've done the right things and we're still the victim. The Pharisees had done all the right things. They had kept all the laws. They'd done all the sacrifices. They'd washed all their hands in the ceremonial cleansing, but they hadn't changed in their hearts. And the Pharisees and Jesus is that their their bitterness had rendered them just as lost as the brother who stayed at home. The brother who stayed at home was just as lost as the one who had taken off for a far country. He was bitter about everything that he had done, everything that was going on. And that's why bitterness can never be allowed in the heart of a Christian. Because we will continue to do the right things, but be lost in our hearts. And so the father says to the to the older brother, hey, everything I have is yours. It's all yours. Come and celebrate with those, with your son, your brother, who has just come home. He is my son also. And in our life, we want to remember that God loves us not because of what we've done or what we do, He loves us because of who we are. The stories, it's about God, the shepherd, who is willing to go after the lost. This lost sheep who may have wandered off, wandered off, just not paying attention. The shepherd goes after them. The coin, for through no fault of the coin's self and its own, it was lost but the intrinsic value that it had was so great that the woman would search until she found it. God searched for us. The son left out of selfishness, went into a far country, did it intentionally, willfully and intentionally turned his back on the father, the father watching and longing for him to come home. The son who stayed home became very bitter. Our father want to touch the heart of that brother, that son, and change him from the inside out. 
You see, this was a total different picture from what the Pharisees ever imagined, what the sinners ever imagined. Because here was a God who loved, a God who searches, who values, who watches, and who rescues and changes the hearts of his children. That's our Father. Shall we stand? Father, we thank you that you are a God, hopefully, Lord, that continues to, that we hopefully change, Lord, who we are and who we need to be in our concepts of you. That, God, you have a way of speaking to our hearts in a way that changes us from the inside out. Let us never be bitter. Lord, let us never be rebellious. And, Lord, through the circumstances that happen in our life, Lord, may we not get lost or wander away just from not paying attention. God, be with us now. Quicken our hearts, we pray. Touch our lives, we ask. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.